Do you want to know the difference between Botox and dermal fillers? Do you want to know the difference between thread lifts and facelifts? Do you want to know the reasons some people choose to improve their appearance with aesthetic medicine? What makes our patients and our doctors tick? Hello, and welcome to Aesthetic Medicine Uncovered. My name is Simon Ravichandran, and in this series of podcasts, we will be talking about what aesthetic medicine actually is, the procedures that we offer, what we do, and why we do it. I hope you'll find it interesting, and I hope it answers some questions you may have. This podcast is produced by the Clinetics Group, Scotland's leading multi-award winning aesthetic medical clinics. Hello and welcome back to the Clinetics Studios. I'm Dr. Simon Ravichandran and today I'm joined by Dr. Paula Mann, BDS. Dr. Paula Mann is one of our senior injectors. She is very, very experienced and she is also senior faculty at our Aesthetic Training Academy here in Glasgow. Hello, Paula. Hello, everybody. Hi, Simon. So Paula's going to be leading today's podcast. Uh, we've got a, a, f- a few ideas of stuff we want to talk about, things we want to get off our chest, and hopefully it's something that you might be interested in hearing about. So let's get started. What, what are we talking about today, Paula? Well, I thought we could have a chat about um, media trends, you know, these... Um, one or two word titles that appear on Facebook, Instagram, media, you know, um, morning TV. So this give me give me an example of what a media trend is. What are we talking well, about? Well, I think just now um, I'm hearing a lot of patients coming in and saying, um, can I get my jawline done? Can I get a brow lift? Can I get a particular lip augmentation technique? So these are the sort of things that uh, patients or prospective patients will be coming across on their Instagram feeds, their TikTok feeds, social media, this sort of thing. When you said media trends, I thought um, instantly I thought of Kim Kardashian and I thought of the Brazilian butt lift and and these sorts of things. I guess that's probably me showing my age. Yeah, well, I mean, I think um, we maybe Kim Kardashian, I think, admittedly, it was probably the beginning of this. You know, she really opened up people's eyes to um, available treatments, which is no bad thing. It is not a bad thing for a patient to come to the clinic as a first point of contact. And this is what, what has sort of stimulated an interest or their awareness because it gives us an opening point. It gives us somewhere to start. And... Um, I mean, most of the patients that I see anyway, as new patients, don't know exactly what has happened to their face or they don't know how to describe what they don't like about a particular feature or an ageing process. And so it's a, it's a good place to start if they've heard of, um, you know, they're aware of treatments that might be out there. And then it lets us um, start a conversation about the journey that they can go on. So media trends could be a good thing in that it would um, potentially encourage a patient who's been thinking about having a treatment, not really sure what they want to do, but it's normalising it to to an extent, so it's taking a bit of the stigma away so people can start thinking about this as something that they might actually want to personally do for themselves rather than you know, something that's just the reserve of celebrities. So there's definitely a good element there, but I think there's a bit of a danger as well in that the people who are seeing this, sometimes, you know, they hadn't really made their mind up. They might not have been going down in that direction. People are potentially a little bit impressionable. So people might be then seeing this, these 
these adverts, these posts in their social media, and then presenting to an aesthetic clinic for a, for a treatment they didn't really want or didn't really need in the first place. So how do we counter that from the from the clinic point of view? We're the clinician, someone who's 19, 20 years old is coming and saying, hey, I've seen this amazing jawline that my Instagram influencer has, has got, and um, hey, I want you to do this for me. So uh, what do we do there? Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things um, the clinicians at Clinetics are most proud of is our approach to treatment needs and our approach to diagnosis and full-face treatment planning. So along with the patient, we can sit down together and discuss their concerns, what we actually see um, is happening with their facial features, their anatomy, their own uniqueness, and um, break it down into what might actually be required, or in fact, if they don't need anything at all, educating them around the realities of what is possible and what can be achieved, and what they see, perhaps in the media, as realities. And so we take our patients from their first consultation and begin on this journey where they learn about themselves, what they need, what they don't need, and they can plan going forward from there, not just for one treatment, which I think might be one of the problems with these media trends. It's, it gives the impression you can do something once. So just one treatment and that'll be that'll be the end of it. But in reality, that's not really, that's never the case, is it? So we, we talk about the journey. Yeah, it, it's a journey, it's ethical treatment planning, and it's a sort of autonomous decision making as well. You know, get, get each of you working together and learning um, about these processes and what's what's most suitable. I love that you use the word autonomous decision making here because that's really fundamental to modern medicine. Uh, it's not the tradi- traditional paternalistic model of we telling you what you need um, no longer applies. It's not ethical. It's not considered to be correct pretty much anywhere in the world. So autonomy is where our patient makes the decision. And it's really our role as a practitioner to educate and inform the patient for them to be able to make the decision themselves in, a, in an impartial, unbiased way as much as, as possible. So let's think about like trends. So with, I know what you're talking about now, and I've seen this on my Facebook feed to an extent. Um, you see things like uh, fox eyes. That's a, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can maybe talk about that later, but we also talk about or we see people who are uh, pr- pushing pictures of themselves that they've had their cheeks done or their jawline done or their lips done. There's a lot of lip stuff going on as well. Um, and I, I think maybe we'll save lips for another podcast, maybe talk about the, the sort of facial sculpting, like the jawlines and the cheeks. So someone's been exposed, has been made aware of it, and they're, they're, they're reflecting what they've learned with what they're seeing in the mirror and what's been bothering them for a while. So it's prompting them to come and seek an opinion. What happens next? Well, um, we've got two aspects to all our treatments, don't we, Simon? We've got our younger patients without really any signs of ageing. Mm. And um, that would be a group of patients for me who I would want to be getting into a discussion about how likely, how well they already look. And so um, being careful, I think, not to change anything about 
they're already beautiful features, which is quite often or most often the case. With the younger patients, it's yeah. very, very common. And we, we think about terms of beautification rather than the sort of treatments that we'll be using in our slightly more mature patients. And beautification is essentially a minimalistic approach. It's first of all, do nothing if we can get away with doing nothing. But if this is something, I mean, we've got to give credit to our patients. If it's something that they want that's going to make them happy and it's going to improve their quality of life, so long as it's not going to make them look daft or silly, so we don't do big lips, frozen foreheads, big cheeks, we're not going to make you look like a cat. But if we can subtly beautify you to enhance natural beauty, that's an okay thing. We can we can do that within, within reason. But a lot of discussion um, needs to take place with these more youthful patients about long-term maintenance and prevention and protection. So maintenance, you know, if we start doing treatments now, then, okay, might be one or two syringes of dermal filler, not so much. Let's repeat this every year. You know, just they need to be set up for that, aware that that may be a potential thing that they're going to be carrying on forever. They don't have to, but if they like the result, then they're going to have to. But what we could really focus on is the simple, non-invasive, low or no-risk treatments, which is essentially things like good skincare, phototherapy, advice against uh, or advice about how to how to avoid the things that are going to aid you which is sunlight and smoking yeah it's um and it comes back to that decision making process that you can do together and educating your patients and when they understand themselves and they understand the potential of treatments they can make these decisions these remember that these are medical treatments and you know the spin that social media, etc., puts on them is perhaps that they may be fun or, you know, um, you know, a bit like um, synonymous with going to the hairdressers or something like that. So for that younger group of patients, it's really about getting on board that education and um, moving forwards, moving forward together. Then we've mm. got our older patients. Now, their older patients are very interesting for us because they actually present with... Um, physiological signs of aging physiological signs of skin disease um, and then there's a psychological component which is driving their presentation as well so the physiological thing is the easiest thing the aging skin the sun damaged skin the diseased or unhealthy skin that's actually the easiest thing to manage but the consultation process that we go through is designed to get inside the mind of the patient as well to see what their expectations from treatment are what they think we can achieve and how that's going to make them feel because the goals of all our, our treatments are not to make people more beautiful because there's no point making someone more beautiful if it's not going to affect the way they feel about themselves and we are we're aiming to improve their quality of life by changing the way they feel about themselves how does that what does that sound like to you paula is this your approach yeah, I mean, something that I find really useful in the clinic with any patient is actually just getting a mirror, doing it the old-fashioned way. We don't need fancy tech, cameras, 3D vision, just getting them to look with you at what they see. So just for the just for the record, when you come to the clinic, if you see Paula, she's going to hand you a mirror. <laughs> if you come and see me, I'm going to take three-dimensional photographs yep. of your face and we'll look at them in great detail yep. on the computer and all sorts of stuff because I like my tech, but I don't know. I you know exactly are much you more mean. of a tech nerd. <laughs> I keep it simple and we can look together and the patient can show me their concerns and as you well know, Simon, sometimes we can't even see these concerns. So we're starting at that level. We're saying, is there a problem? 
Can we mm. diagnose something? Because if we can't diagnose something, you can't treat we it. Can't treat it. There's nothing yeah. to treat. Um, so getting that reality and then discussing what we can change and really educating our patients about what we can change, because then we can make a sensible plan and move forward together. So the treatment that they have come in with, the jawline, the fox eye, the lip, whatever it is, may actually be something we decide to do, but um, it might also not be. Yeah. Would you say more often than not it's not, or is it about 50-50 or, or less? Mm, you know, it could be 50-50. Yeah. It could be something that becomes part of a, you know, a bigger plan. It's rare, particularly with the older patients, that one thing on its own is going to you know, restore everything. It's a, it's a treatment journey, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So when, and this is this, coming back to the, um, the, the media angle of it again, so the older patients see something in the media goes, right, finally, after all these years, this is the one thing that's going to do it for me because I've been putting off surgery all my life. And then we have to gently not let them down, but set realistic expectations as to what can be achieved from the treatments that we have on offer. And weren't we just talking earlier about um, what you see sometimes isn't what has happened? You yeah. Know? So. And we can be so excited about something we see in the media and it seems so good and you want it so much that you believe it. And then the reality of photoshopping and really good camera angles and really good lighting, mm -hmm. you know, um, needs to be discussed. And I, I have had that. I have, put, and I'm sure you have two patients come in with photographs of celebs and so on and so forth and you know and it's quite hard sometimes to convince people that that isn't actually yeah. the way that it, yes, that sorry, it is that's, that's photoshop that's yep. that's makeup yeah yep. sure she's had her lips filled but you know we take the makeup off that take the photoshop off that those are going to be big ugly lumpy lips they're not going to look nice they're not lips you're going to be wanting to, to to kiss anyone with these are all synthetic not not even cosmetic it's synthetic um so, yeah, one, one thing I uh, often use as a way of explaining this to patients who come with these sorts of ideals and expectations, if they've seen a before and after, and I even tell patients, this, if they want to see a before and after, a lot of my patients are very private, so I don't have many photographs of my own to show other prospective patients for before and after treatments, but I can say, you know what, you can go to the website, here's some doctors that I trust, um, look on their websites, you can, you can see their before and afters, because their patients are cool with it. But then I also give them the, the proviso that even, even me and everyone else, we only publish our best outcomes. So you see that really good result from that uh, neck lifting procedure, that patient, that doctor with the best intention in the world, they've done 100, that's the best one. That's the one that's going up, up there because they need to put the best ones up there. So that's kind of the, I set that expectation to start with. And of course, we do the same, you do the same, I do the same, not as for promotional so much, but when we, uh, when we teach, when we travel and we, we make these uh, slideshows and we have before and afters for, for teaching purposes, we have to be able to demonstrate what is potentially possible. And then I'll show that, you know, for patients, I'll say, well, I want you to imagine getting halfway to that point. Are you going to be happy getting halfway to that point? Because then we can work from something. I'll almost certainly get you halfway. If you're really lucky, we'll get you all the way. But there's so many variables at play that you can't guarantee that. Yeah. And again, I mean, I guess we live in a world now where we're presented with things that seem quite easy and quick and um, it isn't always 
the case. No, no, no. It's work. Sometimes it's work and sometimes it's effort and it's not overnight, but it's worth it. It is worth it, isn't it? And and we feel quite passionate about, um, you know, letting patients know what they are being treated with because it's so often, you know, I ask patients, what have you had? And they don't know what they've already had injected or what products have been used. So I think it's really important to really get this medic medicine or this medical feel around these treatments now and give them that respect. And, um, you know, that drives the educational process and it drives the success that we have with our patients as well because their expectations can be met. Yeah, yeah. And I like what you said about bringing, almost bringing the medicine back into medical aesthetics. It's... These are, these are medical treatments, they're performed by medical professionals, they're prescription drugs, they're surgical and medical implants that we use. We've got to treat it with that, with, with the degree of respect that it deserves and re-medicalise what we do. It's not, it's not a convenience treatment, we're not a convenience store. This is, this is something that has to be uh, undertaken after due consideration of the potential benefits, the potential risks um, and you know, a, a defensible decision has to be made in a shared process between the practitioner and the patient and before embarking on that treatment journey. Mm -hmm. And we get that, you know, after many visits and after many years of treating our patients, it actually becomes really pleasant because they will come and say, I think I'm ready for this now or I'm ready for that now. And they already know that it's coming or they already have an idea that that's the next stage. And, they, be, they you know, you're wor- really working together and collaborating um, rather than that first visit where everything was thrown, all the options were thrown in the air yeah. and you didn't know what, <laughs> what road to go down and, and so on and so forth. So, the first visit, the patient always leaves looking like a startled rabbit or a deer caught in the headlights. <laughs> so there's a few visits before they come back and they come back and we distill things down into one straightforward plan and they're like, right... Now I got it. Now I know what we're doing. Let's go through the journey. And then we start, we can build that relationship over, over years and years and years. So that relationship of, of mutual trust that we're going to do the best for our patients and get the results that really bring them joy and make them happy and improve their yeah, quality of life. And, and fitting these things in with your lifestyle as well. You know, I think sometimes in media, you know, there's a, there's a before and after and the, the bit in the middle hasn't been discussed or described or explained. And so there's a little bit of a, you know, a potential surprise if patients are told, well, you won't want to go back to work or you can't, you know, go to a wedding or a party or whatever it is. You should plan these things quite carefully sometimes as well. You know, just that mm-hmm. realism, yeah, uh, practical sense, you know. Well, uh, we intended to keep this as a, as a short podcast, but as I think anyone listening to this will, will realise, me and Paula can talk about this all day. So we'll not, we'll not bore you, but we will come back and discuss various bits of it and, and various other things as the, as the weeks go on. Um, this is going to keep us entertained throughout the rest of the lockdown, even if it's not going to keep you entertained. But thank you very much for listening. If you've got anything you'd like to ask um, me, Paula, or anyone at the Clinetics team, you can get in touch, info at clinetics.co.uk or look at our website, www www.clinetics.co.uk and you can use that if you want to book a consultation with any of our practitioners to discuss any of your skincare needs we would be delighted to hear from you thank you very much thank you